The most important thing in the Olympic Games is not to win, but to take part. Just as important in life is not the triumph, but the struggle. The essential thing is to have fought well. Now, let me just say, we're not winning all the battles. I understand that. But I read the last chapter of this book, and guess who wins the war? (laughs) We might be losing a battle here or there, but the war belongs to us. So, may I admonish all of us, just keep running. Just keep being faithful. And the bottom line is, steady running still wins races. Plain and simple. The Bible says that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Welcome to Pulpit Power, featuring Pastor Tony Skeving, Senior Pastor of Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. Today's message was previously preached before a church audience. And now, here's Pastor Skeving. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Hebrews in the 12th chapter. Hebrews chapter 12. I remember when uh, Jared and Bethy, our two oldest, were probably like three and five. And I was playing a, some kind of a board game with them one night at home. And I was winning, and I thought, I got this thing sewed up. When all of a sudden, uh, Bethy kind of pulled ahead and won. And as she was, I think we're moving little pieces around the board game, she said, slow and steady wins the race. I thought, where in the world did a three-year-old get that? But you know, there's quite a truth there. And it really is one that pertains to the Christian life. And what we find right here in Hebrews chapter 12, which compares the Christian life to a race. In verse 1, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. We find here a wonderful reference in the Bible of the Christian life being much like a race. And today I'd like to talk about how how steady running wins races. Let's pray before we begin. Our Father, we thank you now for the privilege that we have at this time in history in the 21st century to be representing thee in the Christian race. We thank you for saving us. We thank you for calling us. We thank you for using us. Father, we ask you now to help us to understand a little bit better today this race that we're running and give us the grace to run the race. We pray now and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Back in 1924, the Olympics were being held in France. And there was a runner from Scotland by the name of Eric Little. How many have heard of Eric Little? There was a movie in the book, I think, about him called Chariots of Fire. Well, he ran the 100-meter race, and uh, he, was, he was really foretold to win the gold. But he found out during the games that it was going to be held on Sunday, the Lord's Day. Eric Little was a devout Christian, a born-again Christian. And he said, I, I, I just cannot run it on a Sunday. And he kind of just forfeited the race, and everybody... Uh, thought he was either a fool or really a dedicated Christian. Well, there was another man who won the race by the name of Harold Abrahamson, and and he was also a U.K. product, and and he won. 
and uh, they thought, well, that's the end of it. Uh, but the 400-meter uh, race had a man who came up short, and uh, the team of Scotland needed somebody to fill in. Eric, Eric Little was not used to running it. It was four times the distance of what he was used to running. He was a more of a sprinter than an endurance guy. But he ran, and he did win gold. In fact, set at that time a world record of 47.6 seconds. He went on to become quite a Christian as a missionary in China. And uh, during 1945, when the war was raging, he died in a, a concentration camp in China, in a war camp. But he had quite a testimony as somebody who ran for the Lord. You know, the Christian life is a, a race. We find verses in the Bible that allude to that. The Bible in Psalm 19.5 speaks of a strong man running a race. Ecclesiastes 9.11 says, the race is not to the swift. We find little hints here and there that it's really not as we think when it comes to running. It's, uh, it's more of a marathon in the Christian economy, I think. And it's not a grueling thing to be running our race as Christian people. It's such a, a privilege to be running the Christian race. I don't know when it was for you, but think in your mind's eye right now of that day, that night as if, if it was an evening, when you called upon Christ and were born again. And that's when you, you started out of the blocks. You began your race. For me, it was a Thursday night in March of 1981. And that is when I started my race. And for the past three and a half decades, uh, I have been given the opportunity and the privilege to run this race for the Lord. Now, from this passage here, we, we learn some things about the Christian life and the Christian race and how steady running still wins races. We see in this passage, first of all, what I call the required conditions of this race, the required conditions. Verse 1, the apostle says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. He goes on and he says, let's run this race. What's he talking about? What's this great cloud of witnesses? Well, it's, it's people he's referring to in the previous chapter. In our Bible originally, there were no chapter divisions. There were no verses. They were inserted later. And so the continuity of the, the thought here goes back to chapter 11 where the writer is talking about Hebrews Hall of Faith and people from Adam on who were people of faith. And, and he gets to chapter 12, and he refers to these people as a great grandstands in the sky. We're compassed about with these witnesses, speaking of these Old Testament Christian people, who were saved. And the we there in verse 1, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about, they're talking about born-again Christians. And so the required condition of running this race, first and foremost, is salvation. In fact, honestly, if you've never been born again, this is not a message for you. This is for Christian people. This is a passage for born-again Christians. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This thing called being born again is so important that without it, you'll miss heaven. What's he talking about? He's talking about a spiritual birth. We've all had a physical birth already, and it's impossible to be born again physically. But this spiritual birth is a must in order to be a child of God, in order to go to heaven. And the Bible says that it's not by works of righteousness that we have done that we can be saved. That word saved is so important. We must be saved in order to go to heaven. The Bible says in the Revelation that the nations of them which are saved shall walk on those streets of gold. And the Bible says that we're saved by grace. 
through faith, not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, and it is not of works, lest any man should boast. This race requires salvation. And Christ said that that, that, uh, that road to heaven is straight and narrow, and few there be that find it. Those who are on the narrow road and running that race are born-again Christians. You come to Christ through repentance and faith. Repentance simply meaning a change of mind about our sin. Faith simply means placing all our trust in what Jesus did on the cross to pay for our sins. And most people are clueless to that, and they have never been born again. You can join a church, you can get baptized, you can take communion, you could do good works, and you could still miss heaven. The Apostle Paul spoke of testifying both to the Jew and also to the Greek, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. There must be that change of mind about the course of life we are on. And so the first required condition is salvation. But secondly, after that, we are commanded here to get rid of uh, some encumbrances, some weights. Notice the word weight there in verse number one. You know, if you were in the starting blocks and you were a runner, and some of you probably ran track in high school or college. In fact, we have a guy over here who set state records in the hurdles and things like that back in college. If you were running in a race and you're down in the starting blocks, would you have a big heavy parka on? No, you, you say, well, it's kind of chilly out. That doesn't matter. You wouldn't wear a big heavy parka. Would you have a gallon water jug along with you? Would you say, well, I might get, you know, thirsty during the race here, so I'm bringing this gallon a uh, jug of water. Would you have grocery sacks in case you get hungry <laughs> during your race so that you can uh, munch out of the... Would you be wearing cowboy boots, you know? Uh, y- you think about it, and, and uh, you wouldn't have on a 10-gallon hat and a lot of other things. Those are encumbrances. Those are weights. Those are, those are things that need to be set aside. If you're going to run the Christian race, you and I need to set aside some stuff. And uh, things that will drag us down, maybe gray areas, maybe things we shouldn't be involved in. You know, the, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 9.25 that we are to, uh, to uh, put aside those things and live the Christian life with temperance. temperance. It mentions in verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us say, lay aside every weight, notice also, and the sin. The weights might be gray areas, things that eh, really shouldn't be involved in, but we know what sin is. Sin is envy, sin is selfishness, sin is pride, sin is gossip, sin is stubbornness and having a bad attitude, sin are wrong habits, sin is vice, sin is laziness, and these are things that we must deal with for Christ's sake. We are to lay aside these weights and these sins. It might be slothfulness, it might be really not serving the Lord at all in any area. Maybe it's being an undercover Christian and maybe being saved but, but still in the bleachers and just not being what we ought to be for the Lord. Maybe it would in, it be summed up as just not running at all, not even running in the race. You're saved, but you're not involved. You know, 1 Corinthians 9.24 says, run that you may obtain. I referred to Harold Abrahamson just a moment ago as the man who took over for um, Eric Little in that 100-meter race, and he won. But he knew he couldn't beat Eric Little, and he wasn't going to even run in the Olympics in 24. He wasn't going to compete there in France. And he, he said to a young lady, he said, if I can't win, I won't run. And she wisely said back to him, if you don't run, you can't win. 
And folks, if we don't run, we can't win. Every man that, that striveth for the mastery needs to be temperate in all things, but we need to strive first and foremost. And if uh, you're not running, it's not a race. It's a Christian race. It's not a Christian walk. It's not a shuffle. It's not a shimmy. It's not a saunter. It's, it's not a mosey. It's, it's not a crawl. It's not a sit. It is a race. We are to run the race set before us. And God saved us to run. And so we need not ramble through the life God's given us aimlessly. We see, first of all, the required condition. Secondly, we see the resolute continuation. The resolute continuation. Speaking of the Olympics, they have a motto. And in uh, the Latin language or the Greek language, whatever it is, it's, it's Sidious, Altius, Fortius. I'm no Latin scholar. But those three words mean faster, higher, stronger. In the Christian marathon, we might use words like endurance, uh, persistence, uh, continency, uh, uh, continuation. It speaks here of a resolute continuation. In verse 1, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Now watch this. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. That word patience in the Greek, it's uh, hoop on, hoop on, um, on a. Uh, how'd I do, Brother Venom? <laughs> Butch job. He's going, eh. <laughs> it means continuance. I'm not a Greek scholar nor the son of one. That's why I have Brother Venom. But it means staying with it. It means keeping on no matter what. It means if we fall, get back up again. You know, Proverbs 27, 16 says, The just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. You know, if it's against the wind, we keep going. We put our head down. And it mentions here this race that is set before us at the last part of verse 1. The race that is set before us. Notice the word set there. Who gave us this race? Sometimes we overlook this. It's a very important fact. Who gave us the Christian race we are now running? Well, it was God's idea. He's the source of the race, if you will. And, and that changes everything. If you're in a race right now and, and, and it's a struggle, just remember who gave you the race. It mentions the race set before us. And if, if it's God's race, if it's God's will for our lives, we gladly embrace that. If He has a certain blueprint that we're supposed to be on in life, uh, we are thankful for that. We are willing to run it. And we need to stay on track and not get off in the, in the grass off to the side or up in the concession stand someplace or in an alley. Don't get off track. Stay on course. It's a bad reflection on the Lord if, if we get off course. I believe that uh, 30 years ago nearly, God called me to this town and, uh, and, and to, to start the Fargo Baptist Church, and I haven't gotten a call from God since. You know, uh, he's got my phone number, okay, if you will. But I believe I'm where I'm supposed to be. And I'm, I'm thankful for the course he's given me. Are you in the place doing what you're supposed to be doing? Because anybody can get off track. Any one of us can get off track. I have a, a preacher friend, and uh, he's probably late 60s now. And he was pastoring a, a, a very good church in Michigan, but he got discouraged. And he, uh, 
he went to his men. He said, I think I've done everything I, I could here, and, and it's time for me to move on. They said, oh, pastor, don't do that. And, and he said, no, I, I believe that that's what I'm supposed to do. And, and anyway, he left, and he has told me on more than one occasion, I got out of God's will. And it's easy for us to do that. And there's always hope if you do get off course, uh, you can get back on. We, we find folks like John Mark in the Bible who got off course but got back on. We find men like Elijah who got back on course because we serve the God of the comeback. And if you've gotten off course, we serve the God of the comeback. Everybody loves a good comeback. We find that God is, is patient. God is long-suffering. God uh, practices forbearance. But again, this race we're running is a tremendous privilege. And I thank God for the privilege of running it. We find this resolute continuation here. We find that we are to cheer each other on. And and that's what's different about the Christian marathon from a a marathon in the world. You know, if they're competing, they're trying to beat the other person. We're not trying to beat each other. We're running alongside of each other. We're encouraging each other. We're admonishing each other to keep on keeping on. We're not opponents. We're trying to uh, do this thing together, and there's too much at the stake not to. We need to see the big picture. We need to see the souls. They're at stake, and we can't afford to sit. We can't afford to quit. We have a job to do here. We can't go astray. And, and, and God, if we do go astray, will step in if we get too far off course. You find that teaching later on, right in this very chapter. God has a woodshed He'll take us to to get us straightened out. In fact, notice in verse number 6. It says, For whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom He receiveth. And the Lord has different ways to get us back on the track if we veered off it. But I appreciate that. Every time the Lord has done that. Don't faint. Don't get mad. You know, uh, if, if God loves us enough to, to keep us on course, we ought to be thankful for that. God uh, doesn't work us over for fun. And, and, and any good parent is not a sicko when it comes to disciplining his kids. He's doing it for their benefit. And God does it for our benefit. And so we need to stop questioning God and, and thank God. In fact, keep your place here. But turn to the Psalms, if you would, Psalm 119. And we find out some insight to if you're going through it tonight, if you're struggling, if you're suffering, and you're wondering where God is and why He doesn't bail you out of it, God might have a reason for you going through what you're going through right now. We find these words in Psalm 19, and in verse number 67, the psalmist says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. By that he means he was off course. He was running his race, but he had gotten off in the grass. He had gotten off the road. And God afflicted him. He says in verse number 67 again, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. And then in Psalm 119, notice in verse 71 he adds, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. When we go astray, when we get off the course we're running, we have a God who will come alongside of us and chasten us back on course. You know, some parents give up on their kids But God doesn't give up on His kids. We see the required condition of running this race. We see the resolute continuation. Thirdly, back in our text in Hebrews 12, we see this righteous comparison. A righteous comparison is made here. Notice in verse 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, 
and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Who is that righteous comparison? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me just say that the required conditions and the resolute continuation are fine, but we find here there is a righteous comparison that we are to look to and say that's what we need to be like. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. We need a model. We need a pattern. We sing that song. He the great example is and pattern for me. He is the righteous comparison because He ran a race and He succeeded. In fact, back here in Hebrews, turn back a few pages to Hebrews chapter 4. And we find out here that Jesus Christ came down from heaven. He took on flesh and there was a reason that he experienced everything that we experience as human beings. In verse 15 of Hebrews 4, it says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Notice we have a high priest that knows what it feels like to be human, to walk in flesh like we walk in flesh here. He came down from heaven and He took on flesh and He experienced humanity. And the Bible says, consider Him. Consider Him. Who endured, it says here, such contradiction of sinners against Himself. You ever have sinners uh, go contrary to you? As you're running your race, uh, they discourage you. They get in the way. They may unknowingly or even knowingly hinder you. They might sometimes be people that are lost people, maybe uh, unsaved family members. When, when I got saved, I'm telling you, I started my race, but there were some family members that got in my way and said, you're brainwashed. What are you doing? What were you thinking? It might be somebody down at work who poo-poos your faith in this book. There are always going to be those there, contradiction of sinners against ourselves. I remember when I was in the electrical business, and I used to send a track with every billing after I finished a job. And I wasn't trying to be a holier than thou. I was just trying to get the, the gospel out to people. I got a letter back from a customer one time and, and uh, must have just hated God. It was just a blistering letter, and it so discouraged me. And, and, and I think of this contradiction of sinners against ourselves. Jesus Christ endured all that. He is the righteous comparison. You know, we live in a land where laws are being passed continually that are, are unfavorable to God's people more so all the time. It's hard to believe what's happening in our day. And, and, and these courts that are deciding on these ungodly things, these humanistic things, these uh, pagan things and anti-God things. But Jesus lived in the days of Rome. And He understood all of that. He experienced all that opposition. But look in Hebrews chapter 2, just a page back from where you're at there. We find out here He finished strong. In Hebrews 2 and in verse 17, it says, Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered, being tempted, he is able to succor or help them that are tempted. He's gone through it, and now he shows us it can be done. He did it. We can do it here. He was able to say it is finished and show us it it can be finished by us as well. The Bible calls him the author and the finisher of our faith. 
You know, there have been other men and women, as we turn back to Hebrews chapter 12, that ran that race and are now in, in heaven. They're up in glory. They finished faithfully, who can also be encouragements to us. I think of John Bunyan, whose body is buried in the Bedford Cemetery in the northern part of London. John Bunyan was a Baptist preacher and, and, a, and a faithful warrior for God. He was told by the civic authorities to stop preaching the gospel he preached, but he could not obey them and obey God. And he continued not to be defiance, but to be obedient to the Lord. They put him in, in the Bedford Cemetery, uh, uh, Jail, and uh, there for many years he, uh, he, he languished as he wrote Pilgrim's Progress. He had a 12-year-old daughter who was blind who had come to his cell and through the bars beg him to just recant and they'd let him come back home again. But he'd have to say, Honey, I can't do it. I, I've got to be faithful to the Lord. I'm thinking of Obadiah Holmes, a Baptist, a deacon, I think, in the northeastern part of the country back in the, the colonial days who stood for Christ and they took him and, and they whipped him till the blood filled his boots, but he would not bend or bow or break. And, and so we're not alone. We're not alone in this race. And uh, we have examples of those who have gone before us and finished strong and finished faithfully. May I quote to you 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13? It says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer or allow you to be tempted above that which you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. We can endure it. We have a God who is faithful. You know, we um, were speaking about the Olympic Games a moment ago. There actually were earlier games that originated not out of Athens, but out of Corinth, called the Ithmian Games. And in the Ithmian Games, it's actually where the tradition of carrying the Olympic torch really started. And they had a motto, and it said, Let those who have the light pass it on. Let those who have the light pass it on. That's good, isn't it? It's really true. Now, we've been given light, and we're the generation now that is responsible to passing it on to the next generation. We have a righteous comparison. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Finally, we see the rewards considered. Back here in Hebrews 12, verse number 2 speaks of looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus Christ received his reward for finishing his race. There is a reward, folks, for finishing our race. Christ received great honor and glory and reward. And the Bible says he, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath highly now exalted him, given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Christ has now been rewarded. And there is also great reward to the Christian who finishes his course. God help us to finish faithfully. In 1 Corinthians 9, verse number 24, I'll just read it. It says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. There is a prize. There is a reward. And we need to consider those rewards. You know, it's sad to think that when life is over, there are some who's going to be receiving rewards and rejoicing. There's others that are going to be lamenting because they, they have no reward. And the Bible speaks in 1 Corinthians 3 of uh, suffering loss. 
and, and not being rewarded, not being uh, blessed throughout eternity. It's important that we practice this race in order to receive the reward. Verse 3 of our text here says, For consider him, that's Christ, that endured such contradictions of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Now, let me just close with a few thoughts. Somebody says, how can I finish this course? What is the secret? Well, let me give you a few. First of all, we can't stop along the way and feel sorry for ourselves as we're running the race. That's so easy for us to do. I know this firsthand. But if we are saved, we ought to be dead to self. And so we don't worry about how we're feeling. We don't go on that. If you're running a race, ask any runner this. Ask the fellow who has all the, the, the records in the state here from, for the hurdles. If you're running in a race and somebody comes up alongside of you on a motorcycle and says, Hey, are you depressed? What would you say? I'm not thinking about that right now. I'm running a race. Well, are you discouraged? I don't know. I'm running a race. Do you have the blues? I don't know. I'm running a race. Well, well, maybe, uh, are you offended? Is somebody offended? I don't know. I'm busy running a race. See what I'm saying? If we're running a race, we're not focused on self. We're not worried about if we got our fair share. We're not wondering if we've been disappointed, if this looks hopeless. We keep running. We forget the circumstances. We forget the surroundings. We forget self. We're running a race. And so forget about self. The Master's called us to the Great Commission and we don't have time to be uh, analyzing self, whether we're melancholy or we're offended, whatever else it might be. You know that inward people are the most miserable people. We don't have time to be inward here. Our own heart will mislead us. The more I ignore myself, the better off I am. I don't know about you, but I've learned that about me at this point. So put your head down, uh, keep running. Don't worry about what's going on out there. You say, well, pastor, the world's a mess. I know. I just came back from an area where people are carrying machine guns all over the place and, and bombings are taking place in airports. And I understand that. But Christ said in Mark thirteen seven, these things must needs be before the Lord comes back. Do we realize that? It has to happen. It's been foretold. It's been prophesied. It shouldn't be a shock. So just keep running. Keep that head down. Don't stick it in the sand. Christ said, occupy until I come. Press on. Press on. We see for those who run, there will be a reward. Secondly, there will be a rest. In fact, the Bible talks here about being set down in verse 23 on the right hand of the throne of God. Christ finished his course and then he sat down. (laughs) I'm looking forward to sitting down one day. I don't know about you. It's, it's been uh, a, quite a run here. I'm looking forward to uh, sitting down one day, and I'm looking forward to that day. Hebrews 4, verse number 9, says, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. I'm tired. <laughs> I don't know about you. I've been running 35 years. I'm tired. Uh, but now's not the time to rest. That day will come. You know, we find in Revelation 14 a real precious promise. I'll just read it to you here. Verse 13, there's this voice from heaven that says, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors. I was talking to a dear lady in the church earlier today whose husband went on to be with the Lord a few weeks ago and asked her how she's doing. I've thought about that man uh, many times and the rest he's now enjoying up in heaven. 
And uh, we are still running our course down here. Uh, we're still in this Christian marathon, if you will. But I, uh, I look forward to that day when we can set down. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. And I'm of the persuasion that the, the more faithful you are down here, the harder you work down here, the, the more you serve, the sweeter that rest is going to be. The Bible speaks of the, the, the rest of a laboring man being sweet. And I think in a spiritual sense, if you and I will be faithful while we're running, heaven's going to be that much sweeter one day. Back in the 1964 Olympics, in Tokyo, I think it was, they did something kind of unique in burning lights. They actually spelled out something that's pretty profound. I just want to close with it here. It said, The most important thing in the Olympic Games is not to win, but to take part. Just as important in life is not the triumph, but the struggle. The essential thing is to have fought well. Now, let me just say, we're not winning all the battles. I understand that. But I read the last chapter of this book, and guess who wins the war? (laughs) We might be losing a battle here or there, but the war belongs to us. So may I admonish all of us, just keep running. Just keep being faithful. And the bottom line is, steady running still wins races, plain and simple. You've been listening to Pastor Tony Skeving of the Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. If you would like a CD of today's message, you can obtain one by sending a gift of $2 to Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. That address again, Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. We hope you'll join Pastor Skeving next time right here on Puppet Power. Pulpit Power is a production of Heaven 88.7.